Well, good morning, church. Hope that you are doing well. If you have your Bible, um, let's go ahead and turn to Exodus 13. All right. So while you're turning there, uh, Exodus 13, it shouldn't take too long. It's the second book in the Bible. All right. Uh, I know some of you are slower than others, but uh, Genesis, Exodus chapter 13, that's the big number in the book. Um, as we're continuing uh, this series called Into the Wilderness, hard to believe that we have today and next Sunday is our very last Sunday in this series. Um, I don't know about you, I feel like I've been preaching it for a year, okay? Some of you are like, man, it's like every week is the same thing. But uh, we're going to get to that in a second. Real quick, um, as uh, Brandon talked about and highlighted some things, I know I mentioned this last week because of this incredible growth that we've seen across all of our campuses. If you were not here last week, I talked about and kind of dis uh, discussed how as a campus in the last year, we have actually doubled in attendance. And we've doubled um, adult attendance, kids' attendance, and our, our need to, one, uh, have more volunteers, and then sooner rather than later go to a third service that will be um, earlier, and so like 8.45-ish. And, um, and so for us to get to that, some of you last week I pushed about, hey, y'all, um, we need some more people to step up and to serve. And many of you answered that call um, because our volunteers uh, currently are doing an incredible job. But as we grow, we have some gaps to fill. So some of you have done that. So if you missed that, um, as you see on the screen, there's a QR code. You can, some of you might be like, I don't know how to use that QR code thing. All right. You can uh, grab, just take your picture, uh, camera out on your phone, zoom it that way. It'll uh, take you to a link that you can click on. It's, uh, it's actually on our website too. If you would rather just do that under the serve tab, you put your name, uh, your contact information, what area you want to serve, of course, the campus and any notes. Um, and so um, if you didn't get a chance to do that, if you weren't here last week, would love for you to do that. We want to be a church where everyone serves. And that it, there's just so much growth that happens, one, in your walk with Christ, but also the investment that you can make into other people's lives to do that. And so, um, especially with the 845 service around the corner, you're going to have plenty of opportunity to do that. So uh, fill out the form. You can always email me or whatever, kind of see where some needs are, that kind of stuff. The second thing I want to mention too, I haven't had an opportunity to say this from the stage, is our men's conference. So at the end of August, can you believe today is like the last day of July? That's just so crazy. Um, but at the end of August on Friday and Saturday, August 26th and 27th, we are having what we're, we're calling the Carolina Men's Conference. And we're calling it that because we have partnered actually with 16 other churches in the upstate. And so they are inviting men at their churches as well uh, to be, so that we can be a host. We're going to have some um, uh, nationally recognized speakers that come. And uh, on Friday night is a awesome steak dinner. Can I get an amen? All right. And so um, you can register for that. It's $35 online. We have some giveaways. I'm just, I'm, I'm probably letting the cat out of the bag, but we're giving away a couple Traeger grills. All right. And uh, at the last men's night, uh, one of our members actually won a Blackstone. So he already told me he's bringing his trailer that night because he expects to win a, a, a Traeger grill. And I said, not over my dead body, because I'm putting my name into the drawing 400 times. Okay, so, um, but anyway, it's going to be an awesome time. We're doing uh, giveaways, and, and it's only $35. And so you can't, it's hard to find a good steak dinner for around that price. And, and so come, it's Friday night, um, half a day Saturday. And I really want to encourage you. One, I think it'd be awesome if 100% of our men at Five Forks came. And then you could start chanting, Five Forks, Five Forks, that's the men's thing. That'd just be cool. 
Maybe that's just I'm living a weird dream. But uh, you could do that. But also, this is a great opportunity for you to invite a, uh, a guy coworker or a neighbor. And if you're married and your husband's like, I don't know, those things get awkward, sign them up and surprise them the night before. Okay? It works out great. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I think all guys should be there. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. You can register online for that. But let's dig into God's word this morning. As I said, we're going to be in chapter 13. And we're, we're concluding this series. And we're finally getting to this incredible moment. Not that God hasn't been working in the other moments, but we get to this point where finally that the Israelites are leaving Egypt. So if you've been with us, summary Reader's Digest version, the Israelites have been in bondage for over 400 years in slavery in Egypt under the oppression of King Pharaoh. He's continuing to make their, their work harder, their life harder. They cry out to God. God hears their voices, hears their prayers and says, hey, I hear that and I'm going to deliver you. So he brings um, this, this, really this mission to this guy named Moses who was raised in uh, Egypt under King Pharaoh's royalty, but he is actually an Israelite by blood. And so he's like, God comes to him and says, I'm going to use you to free the people. And he's like, not me. <laughs> I'm a nobody. I, I can't do that. And he's like, okay, they kind of go back and forth. So finally, uh, Moses says, uncle, and gives in to the Lord and goes. And at this point in time, we see that Pharaoh, because of all the Egyptian gods and really putting himself on a pedestal to say, I am really a God and all these slaves work for me, says no to God that as Moses and Aaron, his sidekick, show up and say, God has told us this is what's going to happen. Pharaoh says, who is this God and why should I even obey or listen to him? And that turns the page to what we saw for two weeks in a row, the plagues. Really where God upends natural order to get Pharaoh's attention. And really it's this incredible time. Really, I would say a terrifying time of the day of, of Egypt where frogs are invading the land. The Nile's turned into blood. All these different things. And last week we saw the 10th and final plague where God really got the attention of Pharaoh. But beforehand told the Israelites, hey, you need a sacrificial lamb. Take the blood, put it on your doorpost and lentils. Uh, lentils? <laughs> That's like beans. Lentil, okay? Your lentil of your doorpost, all right? Some of y'all, I'm hungry, all right? And you put it, put it there, and as I come over, I will, the, the blood will be a sign, and I will pass over your house. And so we see this incredible, historically significant, but also personally significant moment in um, Israel's history, but also for you and me. We celebrated um, through communion last week, and so we finally get to this part where Moses and the Egyptians said, leave, get out of here. We don't, we're tired of all the chaos. And that's where we pick up in this story. Chapter 13, verse 17 is where we're going to be begin. We'll um, read the end of 13 and then pick up in 14. But this is what scripture says. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds and when they see war and then return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. They're ready to fight. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. 
And so they moved on from Succoth and, and encamped in Etham um, on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of the fire by night did not depart from before the people. And so let's talk about this. Let's kind of unpack this. What does this have to do with you and me? I know we have seen through Exodus that we really see God reveal who he is, talk about his plan, because we know that things don't always go according to our plan, but to his. And so the first note, if you're taking notes this morning, is that God's path doesn't always make sense. God's path does not always make sense. Now, what we would see is that maybe for this, this exodus of the Israelites leaving Egypt is somewhat of a, of a beginning of their experience with God. It's not an end. I love what um, theologian George Morrison, he's from Scotland, he says this, it took one night to take Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to take Egypt out of Israel. Now think about that. For over 400 years, the Israelites have been enslaved and they have really over time, because of oppression, have lost all hope. They are bitter people. They don't understand it. They just want to die. They're like, God doesn't listen to us. So they're full of doubt and bitterness and anger. And so much so that over the history of this time that they have begun to be ingrained with the ways of the Egyptians. So they might not even believe in God. They might trust Egyptian gods. And, and so what George Morrison, I love that, says, hey, one night they left, but it really took 40 years. And we'll get to that part two of the Exodus series. But to, for them to remember who God is, for them to really see God's faithfulness in this was a long stretch. And you could see over and over through the rest of the story of Exodus where they're disobedient. They, they have a memory problem. They forget how faithful God is, even when they experience this but at this time, leaving Egypt was just the beginning of their path, and they were headed to the promised land, and really their, their next big step was what is known as Mount Sinai. That's where we got the Ten Commandments, and God spoke to Moses. And to get there, they had to go a certain way. And God said, I know it's the shortest way, but we're actually going to take the longest way. Can you imagine that the Israelites are like, why aren't we going this way, Moses? He's like, oh, God's telling me to go this way. Because, and here's why. The path didn't make sense because for you and me, I love taking the shortest path. Are you with me? Like uh, on, yeah, get some amens. So for me, I'm a lightweight when it comes to being in the car somewhere. Like if it's over four hours, I'm a diva and I'm like, I need an airfare ticket, okay? Airplane ticket. Like I just don't like to travel. I'm a big baby about it. Like 30 minutes in, I'm like, can we get out, all right? If you have small kids, your kids are probably like, are we there yet? You're like, no. And if you're like me, I lie to my kids. I'm like, we'll be there in four hours. And they stop asking and you're really only like 30 minutes away. Just a little trip, you know, tip for you. But anyway, we used to live in that outside of Nashville, and going on family vacation, it would like take us 13, 14 hours. And I'm like, oh, this is horrible. You know, it is, it is just painful. And at the time, our kids were great travelers, praise God. But they were like three, two, and one, or like four, three, and two, or it doesn't matter. It's a lot, okay? And 14-hour journey just took us forever. And I don't know about you, I'm so thankful to God for the Waze app. Are you with me? That uh, maybe you use Google or whatever, but for those types of apps and tools, that because I want to know, I want it, I want it to be the shortest route. 
I want you to bypass all the traffic. I, I, I don't want to be stuck in, in some accident on, you know, whatever highway. I want the quickest way there. We experienced that on vacation a couple weeks ago. And we often try to take that approach and apply it to our relationship with God. And here's what God is doing to the Israelites. If they were to take the shortest path, it was historically proven and has been historically proven that along the way were Egyptian guards. That's why God even says um, to them, hey, like, um, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Essentially saying, if we go on that route, if we go the shortest path, there's going to be some guards and they're going to know Pharaoh's changed his mind at this point, And they're going to say, hey, slaves, Israelites, where are you going? There's going to be some war. There's going to be some death. And they might kill you or send you back into slavery. Now, let's just say by, by chance you get past the Egyptian guards. Then they would have to cross into the border um, of the land of the Philistines. Now, historically speaking, all throughout the Old Testament, you see this. The Philistines were bad people. They were angry. They were murderers, killers. They were very territorial. You even see this later in the Old Testament, David and Goliath. Goliath, Goliath was a Philistine. And so if they crossed into Philistine territory, certainly they would, the Philistines would come after the Israelites. And so God knows all that. Now, the Israelites didn't see that. It didn't make sense to them. They're like, let's go the shortest way. But God says, no, we're going to go this way, and it's going to be towards the Red Sea. That doesn't make any sense. Like if you were some military strategist, you're like, don't go towards the sea, you know, go, go somewhere inland. But what we see is that even though it doesn't make sense, God is directing their path. And here's what I learned just in my studying of this. I think this is true of all of us. It really is so true that it is the journey where God really teaches us. Think about that for a second. That when you and I are going through something and we're, we want to learn and grow closer to God, sure, God shows up in moments and glimpses. I'm not saying he doesn't. But it's usually on some journey that doesn't make sense, that brings uncertainty, where God is really teaching us. He's showing us how to trust him about his character, about who we are, who we're not. Think about this. If you're on some parenting journey, you learn a lot about yourself as a parent. You know, between the time that they're born and to the time they leave for college. If you're married and, and marriage, you learn a lot in, in um, your marriage and through that journey. God teaches us in those journeys. And our entire faith, our entire walk with God is one long journey that God is teaching us in those moments. It doesn't make sense. We're like, we just want a shortcut in faith, right? It's like, I just want God to show up right now in this circumstance um, but God is going to show us through these journeys and teach us and make us more like his son, Jesus. Show us where sin is. Show us where we're weak. Show us where he's strong and all those different things. And he's showing the Israelites in this moment, trust me, that path is short. It doesn't make sense, but I have a better plan. Let's go this way. I know the obstacles over there, but let's go this way. And so the path isn't always easy. The plan isn't always clear. I don't know about you, but the way often seems out of place a lot of times when God's calling us into that. But God always knows what he is doing. He is so much more knowledgeable than you and me. There's a reason that the writer of Proverbs writes this. And some of you have probably seen this on greeting cards. You might have a sign in your house. You might have it memorized. But Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Most of us know the first two verses, but many of us don't know the last two. But verse five, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on what? Your own understanding, right? Trust God, don't trust yourself. 
Like we want to try to develop our path and pick and choose what's best. But let us lean in and trust God with all of our heart. Verse 6, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. So in the difficult times and the easy times, in the big things and the small things, acknowledge him. Know that he is working and he will make straight straight your paths. Here's verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now, I know that last verse is kind of cryptic in some ways. It's kind of like, what do you mean by that? But I want you to think about this. Anytime that I've followed my own path and I've succumbed to sin, selfishness, whatever the case may be, the path is hard. It's difficult. And usually creep, um, doubt creeps in, other sins creep in, whatever the case may be, and you're kind of in a deep, dark place. We probably have all been there at some point in life where you just feel like you're in a dark place in your relationship with God. And what the, the writer of Proverbs is saying is that when we trust God, when we lean on his path, even though it doesn't make sense, that it is life to us. It is life-giving that he says that um, it heals our flesh. It's refreshment to our bones. And everything in us is dead. And so that as we trust God and we lean on his own understanding, man, God just does something in us. He replenishes us. And all about you, man, I want to be that person. I want to be full of life and full of God, knowing that what, what waits and what he is doing, I can trust and not trust my way. I wrote this down if you're taking notes. God doesn't wait for you to gain all the knowledge, but he does await your obedience. And here's what I mean by this. I think so often when it comes to following God, we can be guilty of saying, you know what, for me to follow God, I need to know all of scripture. I got to have all this understanding. I need to have all of these talents. I need to have it all together. And then I will follow God. God isn't waiting for you to fully understand everything about him. And I, I have learned that, and, and some of you have been Christians a lot longer than I have, that the, the more mature I become in my walk with God, the more I realize I know nothing about God. <laughs> and so God's not waiting on you and me to, I have the entire Bible memorized. I know all the theology of this and that. Man, he just wants your obedience. And in this moment, we see the Israelites, at least at this point in time, they're not arguing. They're just like, okay, if that's what God's shown them some plagues and shown them some power and, and who he is, and they're just trusting Moses and saying, okay, we'll go this way. They're just stepping in obedience, even though we could, they could have very easily said, hey, that sounds dumb. Let's go this way, God. They're saying, okay, we'll follow. And so they go there. Now, here's the second point this morning, um, and it's, is that we see that God's presence will always guide us. His presence will always guide us. Now, what we see at the end of chapter 13 here is that God is visibly, visibly present with them through this cloud and through fire. That the cloud is guiding them and the fire is giving them light as well. Now think about this, that the cloud is where the cloud goes, they go. When the cloud moves, they're moving, they're following it. But it's also acting as a covering of protection from the hot sun. We even see in later chapters in Exodus that God speaks through this cloud. So it's directing them on where to go. He is with them and, and, and being present with them. Now at night, it says that there is a pillar of fire 
That sounds pretty epic, right? Is, um, could you imagine if you're like going home and you drive into your neighborhood and there's a pillar of fire following you, your neighbors would be like, that's pretty awesome, or maybe not. I don't know. But, but it's, they're, they're able to see so they can journey throughout the day, both on this cloud and during the day and this fire by night, that they could follow where God was leading them. Incredible moment. Now, you and I don't have the visual presence of God in that form. We don't have a cloud that's following us or fire that's leading us. But I would say that as believers, and we see this throughout Scripture and Jesus preached this, you and I, you and I have two of the greatest gifts that God has given us to help guide us and to show us he is with us. One is God's Word, Scripture, the Bible that we see and we believe that as a church, it is without error. It is inerrant. It has full authority or it should have full authority in our life. That just because you don't understand it or I don't understand it doesn't mean it's any more or less powerful or true. That it is God's word. It is the truth. And God has given it to us as an incredible guide for us to learn, for us to be challenged, for us to be convicted, for us to see. Uh, I love um, what the writer um, Timothy says um, in this incredible, um, his, his letter to the church, 2 Timothy, he says, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That's what you and I are doing as believers. We are training for righteousness. And it says that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So think about this, that the, the Bible, God's word, is so profitable to guide us and teach us. The psalmist also says in Psalm 119 that the word is a lamp for my feet, a light unto my path. It is guiding us, right? It is the ways app. It is showing us, hey, that's some sin right there. You need to stay clear of that. This is a bad decision. Stay clear of that. Now, do we fall into those traps? Absolutely. We're human. But at the same time, for us to be able to see, we should be learning and seeing God's presence in those moments through Scripture. Now, the second greatest gift that I think so often, especially in the Baptist world, that we diminish is the Holy Spirit. That when you and I become believers and we surrender our life to Jesus, the Spirit of God comes and dwells into our hearts. And it helps guide us in ways. It helps illuminate scripture when you read something and you're like, that's some lineage and something about sacrificing a goat. I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, it, God's, God's presence in our life as the Holy Spirit illuminates scripture for us to learn, for us to be guided and say, that makes sense. Or to convict us of our sin, to guide us, say, hey, that's not, that's not honoring to Jesus. And so we have these incredible gifts that even Jesus himself preached and said, hey, listen, like, there's going to be a helper that comes. He's, you're going to do greater things that, that he, through him, that I'm going away and the Spirit's going to come and you're going to have this great counselor and comforter. Uh, John wrote, um, wrote this, Jesus' words, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so following God isn't about more knowledge. While the knowledge is good, following God is more about obedience, 
about following him and saying, okay, I hear his voice. I see it in scripture. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me. His presence is guiding me. We had this, um, I say debate. It wasn't really a debate, I guess, this good conversation in our teaching team talking about this because it was, we were talking about, man, it'd be so cool to be Moses and to be in the wilderness and to have the burning bush come and God speak directly to you. We all want those kind of moments, right? Especially like I remember, I'm like, where should I go to college? God, I want like a burning bush. Who should I be? Who should I marry? Burning bush, you know, should I take this job? Burning bush. We want that so bad. Like I'm not complaining. If that happened, I would be grateful. But we were reading this commentary and I forget which campus pastor, teacher pastor said this, but um, a commentator said that it is so much better for the Spirit of God to live inside of you than to be beside you. Now, I'll take the beside me, okay? What the commentator is saying is that we have such a greater gift than even Moses in that burning bush that the Spirit lives inside of us. And we diminish that. Think about it. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and me. And oftentimes we squash that or we think in Baptist world, that's kind of crazy. That means you're going to be playing with snakes and dancing up the aisles, speaking in tongues or whatever. Man, the spirit should bring us joy and excitement and show us. And we should have the fruit of the spirit that all of these things should guide us. And because his presence is with us. There's a reason that one, Jesus called Emmanuel, God with us, but there's also a reason that he gave us this great gift as helper and comforter and counselor for you and I to walk through life. And while there isn't a pillar of fire and smoke, the spirit is leading us. And I think it's something that we should all strive for to be more spirit-led than our flesh-led. Are you with me? That we should tap into that. And so we see that. And so let's pick up in this story. Let's, let's go over to chapter 14, and we're going to pick up in verse 10. At this point, Moses, who, or Pharaoh, I mean, who let everybody say, get out of here, has changed his heart and said, hey, you know what? You know, we probably need these millions of Israelites as slaves. It's probably good for our economy, the building of our, our um our city and our kingdom and all these different things. So he changes his mind. He calls on men of the Egyptian army. And scripture says 600 plus chariots to go back after the Israelites. And so they're pretty much cornered. And in verse 10, we pick up and we kind of see the thoughts um, and, and the groans, I guess, of the Israelites. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone and we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now think about this. I don't blame them. I think we're all could be guilty of this. Here they are on the shore of the Red Sea. There's no way out. And they turn to Moses and they're like, oh, great leader. You know, is this where you brought us to die? Because there are no graves in Egypt for millions of people. So we're just, we're just going to, we're going to be killed right here on the shores or we're going to be, 
we're going to drown in the water. Is this why you brought us here? Didn't we tell you, Moses, that back in Egypt, it was just better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die out here? And if I was Moses, I would have been a smart aleck, right? And said something probably to, to really be offensive in this. But listen to what Moses says. He turns it right back to a faithful God. He doesn't say, listen to me, stop complaining, suck it up, buttercup, you know. He points it to God. And I love this, that in the midst of this uncertain moment that God has led them on this path that didn't make sense, his presence is right there with them. This is what Moses says. He said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which we will work, or he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry uh, to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it. That the people of Israel may, be, or may go through the sea on ground, dry ground, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all the host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Remember at the very beginning, God said all this entire plan, the plagues, the, the, um, the part of the Red Sea, everything that's going on. I'm doing that so I can, see, they, I can get glory and that the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Verse 19, then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel, this cloud, moved and it went from behind them and the pillar of the cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. So if you're taking notes, the third and final note point this morning is that God's power makes the impossible a reality. Think about this. It seemed impossible. They were, they were yelling at Moses, questioning Moses, questioning the Lord, crying out. If they, this really gives us another reason why God took him on this path to prove his power, to show his power can make the impossible a reality. When they're looking at the Red Sea and thinking, okay, we're dead. God says, watch this. He says, watch what I'm about to do. And this incredible moment that Pharaoh, he's second guessed and sends his army. The Israelites are panicking in this. God shows that his power can make the impossible a reality. That doesn't mean that what we think is impossible becomes a reality all the time. But I will say that God can do miracles and show us that even in the midst of a difficult time and uncertainty, he's going to do incredible things. And here's how I want to close this morning with this statement. And I want you to really think about this no matter where your heart is and what you're going through. It's through the most uncertain moments of life that we can experience the most certain thing uh, of life, and that is God's power. That when you and I are in a time of great uncertainty, and we don't know which way to go, the most certain thing that we can find in that uncertainty is God's power. 
Trust God. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean towards him. And so I don't know what you're going through this morning, but maybe you're going through, I think for many of us in a lot of different ways, um, I would say personally, I'm going through a, a tough time, just a family situation going on. I don't know which way to turn. And it could be overwhelming. It can just put you on your, your, your knees really, really quick. Let us trust the Lord. Let us trust in his power. That in this journey that you are going through, God is wanting to teach you something and for you to trust him. So here's how I want us to end the band is going to lead us in a closing song, and uh, I'll pray, and they'll, they'll lead us. But I just want to, I know it's a little old school, and it takes a lot of courage. And I'm not saying you have to do it, all right? There's no pressure in this. But if you find yourself in a moment right now that you just feel like, you know what, there's some uncertainty going on. I just need to run to the Lord, or maybe you've put yourself before God's plans, or maybe you just want a relationship with God. Uh, we're going to use the front just as a time, a place of prayer that you can come and just use it as an altar to get before God and to say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to trust your power and I'm going to trust you in this. Maybe you're going through something with your family, your finances. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's all kind of stuff. You've tried all kinds of different ways. You're at your wits end. You're frustrated. You're doubtful. You're like, why did I even go through this? There's so much pain in this. Let me encourage you, just turn to God. Just turn right to him in the most uncertain time. Turn to the most certain thing about him, his power. And it might not happen overnight, but I will tell you this, just as we read, God wants to refresh your body. He wants to provide hope. And what we're about to sing about, the blood of Jesus, is the, this incredible way that you and I can experience that hope that we can experience life and life to the full through Jesus. And so come this morning, come, no pressure. But if you want to just give it to God and say, you know what, I need to talk to God about something. This is a place, there's no shame and judgment here. Let's pray together and the band will lead us. Father, so often we count on ourselves and try to put ourselves in your place where you rightfully should be. And a lot of times it's because the path that seems that we should take for you doesn't make sense. And oftentimes we just don't know if you're really there. And so we doubt. And our natural tendency is to put ourselves in your shoes and to say, I'll, I'll pick the right path. I'll trust my ways. And so often that just leads to a very destructive path. A one where doubt creeps in, anger, bitterness, and just sin. And so, Father God, as a congregation, just as a, your people, we just come before you. In the midst of that uncertainty, we're going to lean in on the most certain thing that we know about you, and that's your power. And through that power, not only did you give it to us through your Holy Spirit, but we first saw that through your son, Jesus, whose blood was shed so that we can have a way to come to you, that we can experience your presence that way. So, God, would you guide us this morning? Show us where we need you and how we need you and how in our weakest moments you, are, you can be our greatest strength. Father, we pray all these things in your powerful name. Amen. Church, let's stand. Let's respond. However you feel led. If you want to talk to me, I'll be down here. If you want to, the altar's open for you to pray. Just spend some time with the Lord this morning.